there's a lot of things with with LeBron I'm really interested in. Just Mm -hmm. coming off a Space Jam. I'm serious. Like coming off a Space Jam. Uh, said I, that I he, gotta say, I wasn't ready for that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm oh boy, he always seems to get involved, He's, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? Welcome, everybody, to the Anthony Irwin Show. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm joined today, friend of my old show, friend of me personally. I was bummed I didn't get to see you in Vegas this year. I didn't go. Did you go to Vegas? I did. I went for, for three days because as I joked to several executives, any beyond any time beyond that and your reality begins to warp, which mm-hmm. you say that somebody that's been to summer late, they're like, yeah, that's not, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember the first year that I went, I went there for a week. Mm-hmm. I went for the whole thing. And when I got back home, I was a different human being. I was a different person entirely. <laughs> <laughs> It's changed me in a, in a fundamental level. I have a I have a friend Jordan Jordan White used to used to write for uh, Paroxysm. He did all of Orlando Summer League and left from Orlando to Vegas and did Ooh. the entire Vegas Summer League. And is he like, alive still? Like, is he is he is he with us? Well, he's not in media anymore. That's, <laughs> he's that's like after that, I'm done. Yeah, I don't want to do that, this ever again. It, it, that's a lot of, I try <laughs> to explain it to people. Cause they're like, Oh, you're going to Vegas though. And I'm like, I am. Yeah. The one, like you're going during a pandemic. So it's a little, little muted yeah. if you're, mm-hmm. if you're doing it right. And then two, like, okay. So you get to the arena at like three o'clock and you leave the arena, like no earlier than probably eight ish. So uh-huh. like you, you go in when it's 195,000 degrees and you come mm-hmm. out when it's only 175,000 degrees, but like all of this time has passed and you just spent the entire time going from arena to arena watching, you know, what, it, what is quite frankly, pretty bad basketball. I don't bad. expect it to be good. Like mm-hmm. you can't, you can't go there and be like, man, this is bad, bad. Like you're at summer league. These guys haven't right. practiced, but yeah, it's a, it, it's a very different experience for people to go. Like, I think you can have a really good time if you set the right expectations for going to summer league. But me personally, I now go like three days, do mm-hmm. a lot of work in, in the three days and then, and then go. Yeah. I, I basically, when I would go, and I'll, I'll be back there next year, but when I go, like the only reason I go is to see people. I don't, yeah. I, I don't go for the basketball. The only reason I go there is, is to, to meet up with people that uh, in, in an actual human way actually human actual human interaction is kind of fun i gotta tell you that i you know i i I, mean, I saw a lot of people i met some folks it was good like you do it for the networking but i gotta say like i really didn't just after so long it was nice to be back in the gym like it was yeah. just nice to be back watching basketball and you know like guys excited for their teammates and like seeing the young guys trying to figure stuff out and you know veterans like they've been tasked with like hey, we want you to try and work on this a little bit and seeing that mm-hmm. kind of differential. I'm working on a piece for action. Actually, I talked to a bunch of coaches about what it's like trying to coach summer league. And it's actually like, a, it was a really enjoyable, I had a really good time talking to the coaches that work summer league. Mm. Yeah, I do. I, I like I like that aspect of it a lot. The, the uh, everybody's in a better mood 
down there. Yes. Which is is nice. (laughs) All right. Uh, That is Matt Moore. He is of the Action Network. Uh, He is going to to hop on here to tell me how to bet on the Lakers this year. And uh, he's going to. I'm, 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 I want to know what you think about the Lakers offseason, what you thought of it. Um, I actually have you on at the perfect time because as the uh, world's foremost Eric Bledsoe stand, uh, we can discuss that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to that discussion. It's a short um, and list. Then, <laughs> and, then, uh, and then I want you guys to check out his new podcast every uh, Wednesday. It starts Wednesday. It's called Buckets, and it's, uh, it's there on the Action Network Nap. Uh, app and, and all of that good stuff. Let's uh let's start though with the Lakers offseason, uh, polarizing offseason based on my mentions. Uh it is it is the kind of thing that if you don't say that that Rob Polinka is the world's greatest executive, Laker fans seem to get really, really angry. Um and and yeah, like I I kind of like the Lakers roster. Like I, it's it's a fun team. They aren't going to defend anything, but it's a really fun team. It's a it's filled with shooters. They're they're actually going to have like modern NBA spacing. I'm I'm excited for it. How how are you feeling about the Lakers offseason? Why do you have to be so negative all the time, Anthony? That's my <laughs> question. It's like you're just always negative about the Lakers. Be more positive, bro. God, I think it's so funny. It's just it's just really funny that like you you were ma- you and I've argued in, in text messages because you were like I'm just saying why isn't Rob Palinka executive of the year? And then people are like God, you're so hard on Rob Palinka. Why? It's just come on, like. We could be we could be somewhere in the middle. The healthy middle is appropriate here. Um, so all right, I like the way Allen can pick up a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really good. Everyone likes the Malik Monk pickup. Mm-hmm. Monk, I think it, I'm, I'm, a, I'm. We'll get to the big one. Uh, but Monk, I think, is one that's interesting because uh, the reviews on Monk are very wide. Where there's obviously a lot of talent. Everything that every person I've ever talked to. Uh, in basketball that says about Malik Monk is the only problem is between the years. Like that's mm-hmm. the issue. Not in terms of basketball IQ or understanding stuff, just in terms of like, he can be a little bit of a, of a pain. The difference though, is like a lot of times these guys that <clears throat> have struggled with attitude and work ethic in places where they weren't contending snap to attention when they're in a place like LA mm-hmm. and playing for a team like the Lakers with a superstar, like LeBron, like it tends to get your attention. Like this is a real opportunity. Like you're in awe of, the, of this situation that you're suddenly in. That's just a lot different than being like, I'm out here with Cody Zeller and Terry Rozier and whatever. And he was good last year. So like we have 53 fans in the stands. Yeah. Um, the Trevor Ariza deal. I have been a, like a big fan of Trevor Ariza for the last seven, eight years mm-hmm. and have consistently said that he's very helpful. I will tell you that my position right now is that I think he's washed. Um, I think he would have done better to return Wes Matthews mm-hmm. than Ariza. Uh, I thought Ariza was going to be like the same guy that he usually is for the heat. And the level to which he was not was alarming, both regular season and playoffs. Like it's just the spirit was willing. The body wasn't there. And so that's a little bit of a concern to me. Uh, and then obviously, look, there's Russ. I wrote a big thing on the, on action about Russ. And I just think a lot of it with Russ, I just think is, is people think about, especially on basketball Twitter, it's all about like, did you address your weakness? Did you get good enough in your weaknesses? And so many teams, the difference is that they build towards strengths. Mm-hmm. The Lakers built towards strengths, which is they're physical, they're athletic, they're great in transition. 
Like that plus yep. their defense has been what's good. And you say like, okay, but what about that defense? I just tend to be like, I think you can give Frank Vogel just pretty much anybody and you're going to have a pretty good defense. I just yeah. think that he, he's able to coach guys up as long as you're a veteran and know what you're doing. He got, he got Nikola Vucevic to defend pretty well. He got an Orlando magic team that wasn't great to defend pretty well. He was phenomenal with the Pacers. That was one of the best defensive teams I've seen <clears throat> the Lakers, obviously in 2020, like, look, the, the Lakers in 2020 were not stacked with like overwhelming defensive stoppers at every position. Caruso's good. KCP was hit or miss and was coached up to be good. Like he made that leap for himself and became a good defender because he matured. So I, I kind of think that they can probably build a lot of this. Like, look, even if Russ sucks, you have such great backline protection with Davis that you're probably mm-hmm. fine. I am a little worried about the center stuff. I think that they're a little light there, depending on where Mark's at physically. Um, I don't believe in the like, well, he's AD just going to play five now. Okay. We'll see how long that lasts. Mm-hmm. We'll see how many of how many times he gets bumped and bruised. And before he starts saying like, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, that kind of a thing. But in general, like, look, the Lakers are pro- are going to be a top three seed provided that, that everyone doesn't get hurt. Like last year, they're going to be the favorite to win the Western conference the entire season. They're the favorite right now. Um, I don't have them penciled into the finals the way that I might've last year, even mm-hmm. I think that it's a little bit more open, but I still think that they're going to be great and they'll be right there. If Anthony Davis is the Lakers best player, how good are the Lakers? Ooh, that's a good question. If AD is their best player. Well, there's two outcomes. There is a problem. There's AD is their best player because like, Father Time hits LeBron in the back of the head with a two by four. Mm-hmm. And in that case, the Lakers are probably like the fourth or fifth seed and they're mm-hmm. dangerous, but you could tell that they don't really have it and they need another gear. Mm-hmm. If it's <clears throat> that Davis has made the leap and embraces five, you know, being, being a five and is tougher and um, plays more engaged and the jumper falls more consistently like it did in the bubble Mm-hmm. Uh, and becomes like that level of player that everyone like he's danced with, like he's flirted with that from time to time, then they're the one seed and the predominant title favorite. Yeah. I, I think that's where I'm at too. And I'm glad that you, you discussed the two scenarios there <laughs> because if it's going to happen, like eventually it's going to happen with LeBron where he goes to throw that 98 mile an hour fastball and it tops out at 93, you mm-hmm. know? And, and eventually like that's, that's, it's going to happen with LeBron. And I think my number one question heading into this season and then moving forward is, is Anthony Davis ready and willing to deal with that, to, to have to be the guy because LeBron James is uh, not the best player in the league anymore. You know, it, it, not the best player on the roster anymore. And uh, I think for, for Davis, I think he heard a lot. Like it, it's really surprised me to listen to the national analysis of of Anthony Davis coming off of last season. Like I, I was listening to Lowe and McMenamin on on the Low Post, and McMenamin like said like this was a kind of a disastrous season for for AD. Nothing really went right for him, and I don't I don't know if AD has really gotten that loud of criticism. If he's ready for or if he if he was ever you know if he's ever had to deal with that level of criticism. And I, I really want to see how he responds to it because it's going to define him 
as a player, it's going to define, I think, the Lakers next season. What are what are you what are you going to bring here? And I think the fact that the Lakers did only bring in Marcus Gasol and they only brought Dwight Howard, that tells me that, yeah, he recognizes I have to play my best position and I, I have to. And and we'll see if I mean, I think they're going to keep an open roster spot. And they're hoping to get a buyout player at some point. Um, I still think the Lakers need like a facilitating point guard. But if they have that open roster spot and the right center presents himself, that's where that's where I think the Lakers might go. I, I, well, don't I don't worry. Know. Don't worry about that facilitating roster, facilitating point guard, buddy, because Rondo's getting bought out of Memphis. So yeah. <laughs> you, you can welcome him back with open arms. Um, Ray, You know, I think it's just the AD's been his career is very perplexing mm-hmm. because you can't ever get a, you can't get a firm grasp on how to judge him because there's always not an excuse. I would say a concurrent problem that masks the ability to kind of criticize him. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is like in new Orleans, it was obviously like the roster, you know, or at first it was like, he was just too young, you know, it's like, Oh, he's young. He's learning. Right. And then it was, well, the roster. And then it was like last year, it was the injuries. Like you can look at last year and go like, yeah, he didn't play well and wasn't engaged. He had an Achilles injury and was scared of it, of re-injuring it. He was never the same mm-hmm. except for like, he looked great at points, right? Like he looked dominant in that went over the suns late in the season and then kind of like backtracked from there. It's very difficult to get a line on a, on the ability to appropriately criticize and judge him. Um, mm-hmm. Because like the way that he has looked the best has been in situations where quite honestly, like it was pretty easy for him to like, he had matchup advantages over Houston and Portland and Denver and Miami. He should have matchup problems or, or advantages every night. Like if he just played his proper position, he would have that every night. Right. But they, even then, like, I think guys that are super physical can bother him. Yeah. I think that he still has issues like this is one of the things that I've said consistently is like, look, he is he if you make Anthony Davis beat you, that's better than a lot of the other options on the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Like if he's in his jumper, you're toast. That's it. You're yeah. toast. And you just got to like tip your cap and be like, OK, you know what? He's a really great player. We're going to lose. Like this is the always the key is there are weaknesses with Davis that make him, in my opinion, I think he is slightly overrated. That does not mean that he's not a top 10 player in the NBA. Like right. he's still an absolutely incredible player, but he's talked about in the, in terms of being like a top three guy because of what you're talking about, which is he can look like that. But mm-hmm. a lot of it is like, you need, like you need to do that every single night. Right. Like you've got to be like, that's what being, being the guy is, is right. like Damian Lillard knows every single night he's got to have 30. Like yep. that's what he's going to do. And Nikola Jokic knows like every single night. And that was the difference in Nikola last season was like Jokic went from being a guy that every night I was like, he might have a phenomenal game. Eh, he might have an act game. And then mm-hmm. last season it was like, no, like every single night was spectacular from Jokic. Yep. Um, I think Embiid halfway got that last season. He was really good night to night. Mm-hmm. Some of the bigger games, I think he kind of wilted, but like, that's, yeah. that's like a lot of it is, I mean, this is really, I think what we're, we're kind of getting to with the Lakers is no one. And well, this is kind of the question with Russ, right? Is like, if you, if you do not think that Russ can do it, which a lot of people don't, if LeBron does slide a little bit, no one's coming to save AD. He's going to have to do it himself. Yeah. Like he's going to have to be 
the guy. Now, I personally think that there will be nights when Russ will probably save him. Russ will just bail him out by doing Russ things. And there will be nights when LeBron bails him out by doing Russ, but by doing LeBron things. Because the big thing with in, with age, I, I've been on this for a long time. I wrote, I wrote this about Manu and Wade both in the finals. Age doesn't rob you of your ability to be great. It robs you of the ability to be great consistently. Yeah. And so like LeBron had more nights last year, even when he was healthy, quote unquote healthy. Uh, even when he was healthy last year, LeBron had more nights when you were just like, oh, like it's just not there for him. Mm-hmm. But then he would come back and look awesome for a week and you're like, oh, same old LeBron. But then he'd have another night where it just wasn't there. And that's kind of the difference is, AD's at a point in his career where he can be great every night. He needs to choose that. Like that's what he has to make the decision of. And that's about as much mental toughness in my opinion as anything. How do you feel about the rust fit? Cause it's the thing that I, uh, you know, on, on top of whether or not AD takes that leap, the fit, the fit with Russ and LeBron is kind of difficult to think about because uh, it, it, there are some ways that I think they make a lot of sense for each other. There are other ways where I think it was a move uh, predicated on the fact that LeBron isn't going to be there every night. Um, I, I think I think when LeBron goes to the bench, you could have Russ and four shooter lineups with AD out there at the five or Dwight there as a as a as a pick and roll option kind of a player. I think there are ways that it makes sense, but. Uh, but then you also think about it and you say, well, wait, at the end of the game, LeBron's going to have the ball and Russ doesn't do anything off the ball. And so, and, the, and he's not going to be guarded. Nobody's going to pay any attention to, to, to Russ. So how is that even going to work? So it's just, I think it's, it's, it demands nuance. And I'm just kind of curious where, where, where you have landed on this one. Raises the floor, lowers the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um I think a lot of it is, I think people do get confused. Like the Lakers don't run a brilliant, beautiful half court offense. No, (laughs) it's a sledgehammer. Yeah. Like the Lakers smash into you over and over again until you're nothing but bits and pieces. Mm -hmm. That's their style of basketball. And to that degree, like Russ fits great. Russ is like another hammer that will just go at you. Yeah. Um, it's the I think, Adrian Peterson approach where you just run yeah. up the middle, run the middle, run yeah. up the middle, run, and eventually he's going to break one. Right. And that's the thing is like, you know, you just keep attacking. And it, it, the stuff with LeBron missing games, like I think that's a lot of it is LeBron doesn't have to feel like if I don't play in this 10 next 10 get days, we're going to lose all five games. He can be like, okay, like we have Russ. I can take, I can take tonight off. I can take the next two games off and get, you know, my back's been tight. I could just take the next four days off. We got a stretch coming up. I'll just take off mm-hmm. four days and feel better when I come back. Um, and that I think is really important. And it's the same for AD, right? Cause AD, even though he's so much younger, has so many maladies that he has to deal with in a regular season that it'll be good to be like, okay, we're facing the magic, the rockets. Um, you know, and then we've got a bigger game versus Memphis. We can go three and out if AD's out, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're still good enough. So I don't necessarily like, it's like, oh, but the spacing and what it costs you in half court offense. Okay. But they le- like they legitimately do not rely on that anyway. Um, so I think that that floor is raised. I think I, I do. So with Harden, there was a lot of talk about like, yeah, but Harden can't, you know, play off the ball. And I was like, I don't think that's true. I yeah. think Harden did what he did in Houston because that's what got him the MVPs, which got him or the MVP, which got him a whole lot of bonuses in both his regular season contract yeah. 
and his shoe contracts. Like mm-hmm. nobody talks about that part, but like that's definitely part of this impact is putting up those numbers and being at that level gets you more money. Yep. Um, and like he thought that was, and that was honestly the way he wanted to win too. But he went to Brooklyn and was and made the decision like I'm not going to play like that, and he played a lot differently. Russ, I don't think can. Um, I don't know if a can is the word. Russ, I don't think has the wiring. Yeah. To be able to like let take go. that step back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he's so defined by no compromise. Right. And yeah, I agree completely. It's one of the things that coaches love about him and that has made him great. It is one of the things that I think that limits the ability because look at conceptually, yeah, like he could work off ball. He'd be a great off ball cutter. He's so fast and quick and right. agile right. and athletic, and he has such a good sense for the ball and all these type of things. He could be a phenomenal defender. He's still so athletic and he's so smart, but like, that's not where he puts his mind to, mm-hmm. you know? So he still is going to do a lot of things. However, I will say this. I pointed this out in the article. One of the things that I think that he will do a lot for is actually helping AD mm-hmm. is if you remember the thunder, Serge Ibaka used to basically just camp baseline at eight feet, just like yeah. sat there and Russ would drive and they would have to pull defenders, and then he would dish to Ibaka, and Ibaka would hit a short jumper. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you just floater. do that, yeah, if you just do that with AD, right? Like, you're just getting him, it's getting AD, you know, eight to 10 points a game, maybe less, like four to four to eight points a game, where he doesn't have to do anything but just hit an open shot or dunk. Yeah. And like, easy buckets for AD our premium because he's the most dangerous easy bucket player in the league. Like yeah, he, he has outstanding touch. It, it, yeah. I, I think, I don't think people kind of realize it. Um, what he's doing at that size, finishing around the basket and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I, I, I agree with you that Russ will help AD um, as much as they're hoping that he helps LeBron. I think yeah. it's actually, it's, it's actually more of a benefit for, for AD. And then, you know, again, if he just plays the right position, and you take Dwight or Mark off the court and you introduce a shooter there, that's more space that AD has to now just catch and finish and catch will you, and finish. <laughs> will, will there ever come a time when you accept that he doesn't, he's just not going to do that? Will you ever accept that? Like, that's like, I know um, that there's, I know there's a lot of talk this season about, no, no, really. But like, you have yeah. to understand, I've heard this like literally five years. So, it, no, no, no. I, I, so I am, at the place where I agree with you that like, he's just not going to do it. But if we don't point it out, then we kind of let him off the schneid, right? Like we yeah, just, yeah, if we, <laughs> like if, if we just, if we just keep, you know, if we don't bring it up and we um, allow himself to just get away with making himself an inferior player to what he actually could be, then I'm not doing my job. So, so yeah, I, I would say, uh, I reluctantly accept it, but I still have to point it out because it makes the Lakers worse. <laughs> it makes whatever team he's on worse. Yeah. I think it's interesting that the whole dynamic is just interesting just with clutch and everything. Cause like he has so much power there. Right. Yeah. And so that's kind of the assumption is like, well, he has to have approved this because clutch has so much power. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I tend to agree with that, but I also wonder if it goes sideways, if that will turn and it'll become like they'll blame Frank Vogel. Right. Like that's kind oh. of like, that's that's like the way I see it. If it goes if it goes great, then the Lakers are winning the title with eighty at the five. If it goes yeah. 
awful. Then AD gets hurt and the blame falls on Frank Vogel for not playing Marcus all more or whoever, I don't know, or the front office for not getting another center, like whatever, like it won't be just, that's the problem with AD. It will be like somebody's fault and somebody yeah. will, will, somebody will catch the blame for it. Although again, I, I was surprised by the analysis coming off of this last year where AD did catch some strays. And I, yeah. I that's what I'm saying. Like he normally, if he is, if he is the only clutch guy in the organization, then I think he's protected because he's the only clutch guy there, but he has the clutch guy yeah. on the same roster. And LeBron, uh, I, I think LeBron is, is aware of the fact that like yes. he has to, he, he only has like yes. two, three years left. Yes. And, and I don't think, and, and that, I think that's why we saw the analysis yeah. from, from yes. AD this year. Like, that is a very good read on it. That is a very good read that, um, certain perspectives will directly evolve out of what LeBron James's camp mm -hmm. of various business associates yeah. indicate to members of the media. I think that's a very, uh, like I have not spoken to those members of media, but that, that to me is a good read mm -hmm. on how that works. Like, just based off of precedent, that's usually, there's usually a pretty direct line between Criticism for LeBron's seconds mm -hmm. uh, and how LeBron feels about those seconds. Yeah. Because Kyrie Irving didn't catch a lot of flack. Mm -hmm. Kevin Love did. Right. You know, Dwayne Wade didn't catch a lot of flack. Chris Bosch did. <laughs> so, yeah. That's there's you there, there's there are patterns that you can definitely follow there. And like, look, you know, Le LeBron's been nothing but supportive of AD. And it was yeah. all it was all great just a year ago or mm -hmm. what? Yeah, I guess a year ago. So um, I think there's still definitely look again. A lot of it is just trying to trying to pinpoint the difference between the, the Lakers as a favorite, which they are and should be, and the Lakers as a prohibitive favorite. Um, and a dominant super team that is just going to roll over everyone. And there's no questions to ask. Like that's kind of the difference is just like, yeah, the Lakers will probably win the West probably probabilistically speaking, but there's also a lot of ways that this can go sideways. The, they're, yeah. they're vulnerable. It's open. Uh, the window's open. The Lakers are just the most likely to get through. Yeah. I, I that's basically where I'm at, where I feel like this is going to be, an unmitigated disaster. Russ and LeBron aren't going to work. <laughs> like it, it's either yeah. going to be like, it's going to be a spectrum type year, I think where it's either great or it's not. And, and I I'm fascinated by, by what that, what that spectrum even looks like. Um, we haven't even talked about Carmelo Anthony. Ooh. Like, <laughs> like how many, how many seasons ever in Melo's career has he come up this late in the podcast? <laughs> and that's just how it always has been about this Lakers team. It's just like, oh shit, they got Melo. Oh yeah. I think I think this is like if Melo is gonna have a swan song type season, I think this is the the roster that it has to be on. Where if he's playing the four out there and LeBron is playing the three and AD is playing the five next to him, that's how you surround surround Melo with talent to to make up for his weaknesses. And then elevate his strengths. What do you think about that? Or do you think he's just done? 
I think the bigger key here is just that there will be a playoff series where Mello is going to have a third quarter. That's the difference in the game. Mm-hmm. But this is really what it, what it happened. And like he had, it was funny because I said this, you know, he, he rattled off, I think four in a row in the second half of one of the, the Denver wins in, in versus Portland. And everybody was like the mellow game. And I was like, the Nuggets want him to keep shooting because eventually he's going to start missing. He missed his next six shots. Mm-hmm. Like this is just how it goes. Um, he's going to shoot you into games and he's going to shoot you out of games. Cause it's literally all he can do. The Russ Carmelo minutes. I'm going to be very conscious of. <laughs> like, They're going to be very loud. Like <laughs> that, well, it's an interesting one, right? Where it's it, the question is, is 80 good enough defensively? as good as he is, is he good enough defensively to cover for that combination? Mm-hmm. And if he's not, uh, or, and even if he is, what about the minutes in which Davis does not play and mellow and Russ are on the floor? Like that's a messy, messy combination, especially given the fact that they lost KCP and Caruso. Yeah. You know, just like the defensive talent. Um, again, I just got to really stress that unless Ariza was had an injury last year or it was just mentally off. And like, look, I try and give guys a break after last year be based off of the pandemic and everything that happened. Like Ariza had a really messed up year. Mm-hmm. I'm really concerned that he's just past the expiration point. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Ellington's not a bad defender, but he's not considered a plus defender either. No. And so it's just like, look, you, you have to surround Mello with really good defenders for it to sustain itself. And yeah, you have I, to, and you have to sustain Russ with the same. And if you put them on the floor together, that's a yikes. <laughs> and what's funny though is that like those are going to be the minutes that the Lakers really want to pay off, right? Like they want they want the the Bleacher Report tweets of of uh, hey, look at this lineup, look at the big four out there: Russ and Melo and LeBron and AD. And, uh, you know, Russ to mellow, you know, splash (laughs) emoji. Yeah. Bucket. Y'all forgot. It's yeah. Y'all forgot. (laughs) Like the, the Lakers front office is basically y'all forgot Twitter. Like that's, that's, (laughs) (laughs) that's true. Absolutely true. (laughs) But, uh, all right. So last thing, um, before I want to look at the league in general, because I think it's an interesting, fascinating season that we're heading into. Um, but, I thought it was really interesting that they Friday news dumped Frank Vogel's extension after yeah. uh, Bill Orem finally wrote like, Hey, what's like, he's not entering the season as a lame duck. Right. And um, I found, I found all of that really interesting to me and it does feel a little scapegoaty if things don't go the right way, if, if they start slow or whatever, like if they don't match those expectations, um, Vogel doesn't feel as safe as a championship winner should probably feel. I mean, I think the extension was positive, right? Like mm-hmm. that's I think it's only that, one year though. I, that, my, my guess is that it's only one year because they haven't even reported the, nobody's reported what the, what the actual deal is. I Man, I'd be surprised if it was only one year. If it's only one year, what's his agent doing? Um, mm-hmm. I think... I think in general, 
the demands are so high. A lot of it is just the Lakers have higher expectations than even most teams do, right? Like the Warriors after the first one could have not won, like they didn't win a title, right? In 2016. And it was fine. Nobody was like fire Kerr. Well, some of the Warriors fans, but mostly nobody was like fire Kerr. Mm-hmm. Um, and even after 2019, especially with the injuries, like nobody was like fire Kerr. The, the Lakers just have so much pressure every single year because of this combination. And also because like, let's be honest, like they forfeited the future for it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like they've, they very deliberately were like, we want to win titles now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a perfectly good trade-off. Yeah. It was, like, it was the right call. Yeah. It was the right call. Um, so I think that there, the problem is just, I'll also say this, like there's this weird dynamic that exists where LeBron is under so much pressure all the time that the change has to come from somewhere. Like somebody always gets scapegoated because he takes so much of the blame himself. Like if he fails, it's Skip Bayless doing Skip Bayless things. And, you know, that's been replicated to a certain degree. Like if he, if they lose, it's about like, look, LeBron just, just may be past that point. Like it may simply just not be that time for him anymore. Maybe it's time, you know, for him to blah, 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 blah. And so as a, like a consequence, like there has to be changes because of the immense demands that are on LeBron in his pursuit of the greatest of all time. Mm-hmm. And I think that that the, part of it is just in the NBA, like coaches are just the easiest thing to do. Yeah. You know, look at Portland, Portland literally looked at five years of either mod- mediocrity or extremely luck influenced playoff runs and their GM doubled down with no, no, it's not the roster. It's the coach. <laughs> like yeah. this is how it goes. It's like the, the it's like the execs don't want to blame them. <laughs> the execs aren't going to blame themselves. No, you know? And so if somebody's going to go, it's going to be them. I, I mean, I think, look, I think kid going to Dallas changes a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, because that's a guy that I think LeBron would obviously want elevated. I don't know. I'm not aware of anybody on the roster out like currently on the coaching staff that LeBron would, would be like, I want that guy. Maybe Fizz. I think Maybe. it's Fizzdale. I think but like, it, Fizz, like that was the, my read of the situation was that when they hired Fizzdale, that felt like the, the coach replacement if they need a scapegoat. Yeah. And so th- that might be the plan, but I also just think some of it, is, so much of it is you also have to get ownership to just sign off on that dead money. Yeah. And that's yeah. just really tough, especially for, you know, a hard luck, you know, really, has to take the PPP loan organization doesn't want to pay the luxury tax like the Lakers, you know, they're such a hard, hard place financially. Hey, I I tell you, I am very consistent on this. You have been, I I am very consistent on this. When, when, uh, when a team cheaps out, I call them out and I did this time. I swear. And look, the bucks, the bucks cheaped out this time. And that this was one I tend to be more forgiving, right? Because I try and I try and like be realistic about these things. Mm -hmm. But like the Bucks just absolutely cheaped out with PJ Tucker. Like they just right. did. They just decided like, no, no, we're gonna we're gonna save all this money. Yeah, uh, on, coming off I, of a championship. And and even and even if it's even though you're like, but P, do you really want to pay that for? Because that was the argument I was presented with by people. It was like, yeah, but like, do you want to? Do you really want to pay all that for PJ Tucker? And like, I was low on what PJ was last year anyway. I love PJ Tucker in general. His career's been awesome, but yeah. Like it's true, but I was still just like, no, nah, I'm sorry, man. No, nope. like you have a chance to run it back. If people are willing to yep. run it back, you run it back. That's what you do. Yep. You run it back and you deal with it later. 
that's a, that's how I felt about Caruso. Like, oh, do you really want to pay $40 million for Alex Caruso? Yes. Yeah, I would yeah. happily. <laughs> Especially because he made you guys so happy. Like he was like the guy that yeah. like after uh, you didn't get to crow about Lonzo and you didn't get to crow about Ingram and you didn't get to crow about Josh Hart. I mean, you still do smart. so for some reason, but then like Caruso was like the one homegrown guy that you were able to be like, yeah, somebody, somebody on Twitter commented on this. They were talking about how like the Lakers, a Lakers fan that I follow was like, it's just different when it's one of your homegrown guys. And like, I didn't because I'm doing better about not tweeting things lately. My tweet rate is way down, uh, but I really wanted to reply with, well, yeah, it's special. You only have like two of them every generation that you guys actually want to keep. <laughs> um, all right. I want to segue awkwardly to the rest of the NBA. Sure. We had that, we had that, Eric Bledsoe trade. He is now a member of the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, Rajon Rondo and Patrick Beverly are now Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, I liked it a lot more for the Grizzlies than I did for for the Shocker. Clippers. I'm Shocker. I am not a Eric Bledsoe fan. Uh, you are. Did did this change your arithmetic on on what the chances look like coming out of the West? No, I mean this isn't. This was, if you looked at Bobby Marks had the best like tweet on it, where he revealed that like the Clippers saved 30 million in luxury tax to this move. Hmm. Like that's awesome. So, (laughs) and like, look, but, but here's like the thing though, right. Is like Bev and, and bled, I think are about even. Right. Which speaks badly for, for where blood's at Rondo. We know is useless in the regular season. Mm -hmm. So you eliminate like that's basically a wash and you save 30 million in a year where Kawhi is going to be out. And on top of it, they generated an 11 million TPE, which theoretically they can, I don't tend to care about the TPEs. Like, yeah, that's a Boston thing. Boston fans are like, Oh, they're a trade exception. Yeah. You got half a season of Evan Fournier. Congratulations. Um, So I don't think, I don't think it changes the equation in the West at all. Uh, We'll see what Memphis does. So Memphis, there's reports that Memphis may look to trade both of them. Right. And I don't think anybody's going to bite on Rondo because everybody kind of knows the deal now mm-hmm. uh, that like, if you're a contender that want him, you're just like, well, I'm just going to wait until mid season when they buy him out and then we'll add him. Um, and with Beverly, I just don't know that anybody's like, what we really want is the hot headed pesky defender that makes other, everybody mad. Like, I think it's yeah. good to have that guy. Sometimes I think if, if Bev plays for you, you love him. Right. I think he would fit great in Memphis, but yeah. on the other hand, I think DeAnthony Melton's better. Like I think he should get more minutes. So uh, we'll see what happens there. I think it was pretty good for Memphis. Like they didn't need Bled. Like I was worried about Bled being on the roster. Like I, I liked Bled as you mentioned, but I was like, I don't like that fit with Jay. I don't mm-hmm. like that or with Ja. I don't like that fit. Um, with I, I don't like paying that money. Like I just think that that's like a bad use of stuff. Like. Yeah. Truth be told, I wasn't crazy about the, the the JV trade. I wasn't as a Memphis guy. I just wasn't. I'm. I think that that's one that they galaxy brain themselves a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it'll be fine because they have enough young talent. Like like uh, Xavier Tillman looked awesome in summer league. Jaron can play the five if he makes the leap. These kind of things. Mm-hmm. I, with the Clippers, it's mostly just like, look, uh, he gives you really great defense. He's going to be great in transition. He can't shoot. Sure. That's the problem. I think their their spacing is a little bit of an issue, but also bear in mind that this was like the best three point shooting team ever last year. Yeah. Like they didn't, they are not short on spacing. That's not a problem for the Clippers. You know, even with Kawhi out, they're still going to be able to bomb. 
um, especially with getting Batum back. So I like having another creator next to Paul George. But that's that's the biggest thing is that Paul doesn't have to play on ball every possession 50 times a night. That's big. Just getting Pete. This is the same thing with LeBron. Like think of it a lot like LeBron and Russ mm-hmm. on like a very like a C-level scale is the best way to think of it where it just gets PG a break possession by possession where he doesn't have to initiate everything. Who's your who's your league favorite for uh, championship next year? Do you still feel it's Brooklyn? Where the Lakers in that? Like, do you, is it wide open? Could anybody win it? Could the Bucks repeat? Was the Bucks winning or or even Phoenix's run indicative of a of a league that broke down over the course of the season? Like, where where are you at here? So like, at fa- like you asked me who the favorite is, and like I defer to the books, right? The books mm-hmm. say that the Nets are the favorite, followed by the Lakers, and that makes a lot of deductive sense. If you told yeah. me that I had to take the Bucks or I, that I had to take the Nets and the Lakers or the field, I'm taking the field, mm-hmm. is where I'm at. Um, I think both of those teams are vulnerable. I both those, I think both those teams are very rightfully the favorites in their respective conferences and for the title. I will tell you that if I have to pick one, um, I'm if I have to pick one, regardless of the odds I get on it, right? Mm-hmm. Because I've already bet a number of teams at various numbers. I bet the Nuggets at twenty-two to one. That's going to shorten. And I can cash out. Um, mm-hmm. I bet the I bet the Bucks at eight to one. I think that's a preposterous value on them. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for the right value on. I got Lakers on a profit boost. I bet them. Um, I'll bet more on them whenever their number drops. If I have to pick one, I'm picking the Lakers. If you're just like, hey, you got to pick one team, then I would go with the Lakers just because, uh, one, I, is it, this is crazy. I think the West is easier now. Yeah, I, like, agree. I agree. No Jamal until midseason. Probably won't be any bet more than 80% when he comes back, probably 70%. No Kawhi. Kawhi. Uh, I think the Suns have to take a step backwards just based off of how great last year was for them. Short offseason. Um, no one believes in Utah, nor should they, they're not, they, I don't mean to be this way, but they're just not a serious contender. They're just not like, no, no one is going to be like scared of Utah because of what they turn into when you disrupt their scheme in April. Right. (laughs) So like, so then you're talking about like, what about the Mavericks, right? Like this team that can't defend and has all these, you know, got rid of a bunch of people and didn't really add anybody. And Mm -hmm. so it's like the Mavericks, maybe just Luca goes super crazy or, um, you know, you're taking a shot on like a real young team, you know, making the leap. So I don't think that there's necessarily all that much of a, of a threat. So the Lakers really just can kind of do a lot like 2020 have a pretty easy path and get to the finals and then, you know, we'll see who they match up against. I don't like them in the matchup versus the Bucks. I don't like them in the matchup, depending on who the Sixers get for Ben Simmons. That could be tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would like the Lakers over the Nets. I would take the Lakers over the Heat. I would take the Lakers over any other team that comes out of um, the East, right? The Bucks mm-hmm. are the one team that would be like, yee. Um, but in general, like, I think that their match, this is a lot of it is just at full strength, the Lakers match up really well for playoff basketball because they beat the snot out of you. And there are so, the biggest thing is that there are so few teams that, that can even withstand that. Yeah. They yeah. can even like handle it, let alone, you know, break it just to be able to, to be like, all right, you're going to beat us up, but we're going to hit more threes. There's so few of those teams that can do that. Like the Clippers yeah, yeah. with Kawhi, yeah, sure, one hundred percent. I think the Clippers could do that, but they don't have Kawhi. They won't have him. Right. All right. 
Well, that's interesting. You uh, you sound higher on the Lakers than I, I might have anticipated. Maybe yeah. you and I are just some haters. I mean, maybe we're just we just hate basketball. We don't like basketball, according to Kevin Durant. I we like graphs. I, I used to, I do like graphs. I used I used to, you know what, last year was pretty rough for me. I got pretty burned out just after so long, but better rejuvenation. I'm actually really excited for it. I think um, it was a lot of I mean, basketball. It was like yeah, it was, it was like of the last 24 months, I think we've had basketball for 19 of them or yes. 20 of them. It's it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm I'm excited to see this team. I'm excited to see what if anything, the layers are gonna be interesting, you know. Mm-hmm. Um I'm interested to see what LeBron ju- does after. <sighs> There's a lot of things with, with LeBron. I'm really interested in just mm-hmm. coming off a of space jam. <laughs> I'm serious. Like coming off a of space jam. Uh, said I, that I got to say, I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> yeah. Coming off of space jam. Um, less than he said, he was never going to be hundred percent again after the ankle, which made no sense to any of us. We we're like, but you suffered an ankle sprain. And you're yeah. never going to be the same. Um, high ankle sprain, but yeah. Yeah, high ankle sprain. You know, the stuff with, with, with AD, I think it's really interesting. Like, at what point the, like, does LeBron lose his patience mm-hmm. with how this goes? Um, how does how do he and Russ get along? Because LeBron's either going to love the dog in, in Russ. Or it's going to get old. <laughs> or it's going to get old. Because he's just going to be like, this is not how we play. Yeah. Um, and get frustrated with the backdoor stuff and getting beat defensively. Like, I'll, I'll say this. For both of them, here's the most interesting thing. LeBron and Russell Westbrook are two players who will absolutely hold their teammates accountable. Mm-hmm. Not themselves, but their teammates, for sure. I think they, yeah, I disagree. I think they both hold themselves accountable. I don't think they do it in the media, but I do. I think in the media, they're like, I am impervious, whatever. You don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. I do think that they hold themselves accountable when they have bad games. I think the difference is like, they just look at ha- having a bad game differently than we do. Yeah, probably. I think, that, I think that, like you've, you've talked about this, about how like the Lakers don't look at basketball the way that, or like LeBron specifically clutch doesn't look at basketball the way that you do. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that that plays in a little bit where shots that Russ takes that we would be like, that That's we would, that, that Twitter is just like, what the fuck are you doing? Right. I, I think that most players don't look at it that way. No, they're like no, players. I, I play. This is the biggest thing I had to learn. Like players ideas of shot selection are wildly different. Mm hmm from ours and that's just how it is you can agree disagree or whatever but that's just something that i think you have to accept that there's a differential there but i do think that like russ will hold him like russ is hard on himself after he plays badly i know Mm -hmm. that like that's something i do know and i do think that if anything um you can put the pieces together i don't think it's coincidence that russ and carmela used to play together um and had a pretty good relationship in okc Mm mm-hmm and then in the same summer that, that Mello joins the Lakers, Russ comes. I think that I, I, I will tell you, I, I believe that LeBron and Carmelo talked and got the, like Carmelo, I think LeBron already knew a lot about Russ. Even the scouting but, report. Yeah, gave him like mm-hmm. the idea of what, of what it's like with Russ on the team. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have to, you know, and we also, we heard about the meeting, right, with uh, AD, LeBron, Jared Dudley of all people, and mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook. Yeah. So 
is uh, it's it's interesting. It's a fascinating season. I I can't wait. It's like this this next month or so. <laughs> I'm happy to get a break, but I also really want to get to the season. I can't. I it's it's going to be such a fun one. Well, that's good because we only have uh, let's see here <laughs> like three weeks days until <laughs> October second. As we record yeah. this, we have 47 days, sir. 47 <laughs> days until the first preseason game. Ooh, boy. All right. Well, this was a lot of fun. Again, check out Matt's work at the Action Network. Download their app. Listen to their podcast, Buckets, which launches on Wednesday. Congratulations on that, man. I, I'm looking forward to it. And then, uh, and yeah, we'll talk soon. Thanks, man. <laughs>